put that recording on. Thank you, Pastor Joel. Ah, yeah, thank you. The stories of the moments of connect have been very precious. I don't know if Joel remembers when we met, but I do. We were at the Pacific Northwest Conference, and I had just come, I think I was not yet arrived, but moving to Oregon from Alaska and five years of ministry up there. And I sat with you all for a meal, Sabrina and Joel, and I was touched in that moment with an understanding of God's love for you, and I have been touched with the knowledge of God's love for Access Covenant Church ever since. And so I'm always praying for you, and I'm always peeking into your story, because I always find holy moments, holy moments in the story of Access Covenant Church. And so I was re- I'm really touched to kind of be with you all today in a very big way. So if I get a little tearful, that's just kind of who I am. You matter to me, and you matter to God in such a way like that you have holy moments that are etched in time forever because you've taken steps towards kingdom, the place where God resides with all of us here in the now. And so that's just exquisite. I have no other way but just to say that's exquisite. So thank you for letting me peek in and thank you for responding the way you did regarding Flora. She's a very dear woman who has suffered much and now is just flourishing as a pastor and companion along the way and a citizen and and what you did and how you responded mattered for the life of so many because what we do in one situation God exponentially explodes into beauty beyond what we'll ever know at least in this lifetime so it's really fun so thank you thank you you know I wear the stole Joel and I had this conversation about do I wear my stole do I not wear my stole so I'm going to tell you why I have my stole on in this moment You know, I became ordained when there was only 47 women lead pastors out of 965 in this denomination who had been ordaining women since 1975. And I grew up Catholic, so now measure that. And so my history has been of a call that God said, you just go where I tell you to go and do what I tell you to do. And I'm like, yeah, but this isn't like really all that fun sometimes, you know? And my ordination interview took place in a basement janitorial closet with four men. And as I walked in to do that interview, I, never, I didn't get a chance to sit down before one of them said to me, we want you to know, because this is a surprise, you're not going to be ordained this year. And, and then they proceeded from there. But I want to tell you about someone. There was a man named Joel, a different Joel, an indigenous pastor who knew the weary road of being someone outside of the dominant community who became a pastor. And he flew a long, long way. And he sat across from me in that janitorial closet with, four other, with three other men and me. And he looked at me and he said, listen to me. He said, you sit across from me. And he said, and you look at me. He said, I know. I know what's happening here. So I flew, even though I wasn't coming, to sit here with you today, to be here with you. You look at me. And through that whole interview, I just looked at Joel. I probably couldn't tell you a lot of things were said, although I asked them for the written comments by the grace of God. And because of Joel, 
And Joel's willingness to stand for me, I'm ordained. That year, in that time, nothing was delayed. It got done. But without Joel sitting across from me, holding space with me, that's all he did. I don't think he spoke anything else the whole time. And he didn't speak to me afterwards either until my second interview four weeks later when he showed up again. And I just want to tell you that I wear this stole for anyone and everyone who's been told you're less than in any way, because it is not true. And everyone, everyone has access to the presence of God, and everyone is called to live within God's word and to live within the ways of Christ. And none of us are any special, but none of us are any less. And so I wear this stole in the place of a lot of churches where it's still not accepted that I can. And the young women and the girls and people of identities that are marginalized come and say, oh, I can wear that? Yes, you can, I say to them. But in your church in Access, we don't have that struggle. So I'm going to take this off now. Because Pastor Joel and I and all of you, we're the same. We're a community gathered in the name of Christ. And I'm going to hang this stole over here with this painting. If you could see it clearer, that painting is called Between History and Hope We Walk Along. And on one side, where now the stole is, are trees that have died. And on the other, Maybe you can see just a little bit of green if you look. Our new sprouts coming up. And I did this painting, and in the middle is a path that we walk along towards the sun at the top. And I did this painting as part of advocacy when we were struggling to love our brothers and sisters in the LGBTQ community. As a reminder to us, to walk alongside our brothers and sisters in the LGBTQ community as a reminder to those brothers and sisters that you're walking in between history and hope and we're going together and it's going to come. We will live in a place of equanimity and justice because God loves all of God's creation and all of God's children. So that stole which represents the presence of God, and when I'm pastoring, is always on the altar amidst the community, or on me if I'm moving with the community outside. And today it moves to the board to remind us we're all in this together, and we all walk along this path between history and hope, closer and closer to the kingdom fully coming here today. So I wanted to share that because It's still a painful circumstance of many people being excluded as pastors, even though they're called and gifted. And it's not okay with God, and it can never be okay with us. It just can't be. So, the other thing I want to share with you is I'm kind of giving you a little background. And I don't know if you, how well you can see this, but I will send Joel a picture later, okay? I think that'll be the most helpful. As I was preparing to preach, this whole thing came about. So, I'm just telling you. (laughs) In the very center, there's a blue spot. And on the very outside is this blue ring. And this whole thing is God's breath and God's spirit shared. It's God's breath and God's spirit shared. 
That's what we sit in the middle of. And it is God's breath that gave us our lives. And that is our identity. It is the hand of God. As Psalms 139 tells us, we are fearfully, wonderfully, beautifully made by the hand of God. And there's no exceptions to that, ever. Ever. There are no exceptions to that. Not even if we tend to believe that about ourselves. It's not true. And, in, and he made us in a particular way. He, she, God, creator, God, made us in a particular way. We are physical, we are thoughtful, we are embodied, and we are emotional. We are all those things hired, hardwired as fleshly beings. And all of them are valuable ways for us to be in the world, emotionally, physically, embodied as we move through the world, and thoughtfully. And when we live in the wholeness of ourselves, God's Spirit comes along and brings us into a place of wisdom in every moment of every day to interact in a way that furthers the kingdom of God. So this is serious to remember who we are and that our identity is actually formed by the hand of God and enlivened by the breath of God. This is who we are. It never goes away. And we live amidst the moving, energizing, active, powerful spirit of God. We all do. There's no exceptions. And there's no less or more. We just all do. And we are emotional and we are physical and we are thoughtful and we are embodied. And we need to slow down enough to become aware of ourselves in this life in every one of those aspects of our daily experience. I'm just gonna say that again. We need to slow down so that we may be cognizant, we may be aware of every aspect of this whole fleshly experience that God made us for that we can then move towards life with wisdom because we have slowed down enough to gather ourselves and let the Spirit touch us and then move forward. There's our self-awareness. And there's this other ring in the middle right here. And it's the systemic awareness of our identity and where we live. It's our worldview. It's knowing the culture. It's knowing all of the mores and folkways of the places we live, like Joel and I joking about, okay, I'll make sure I'm only 25 minutes, and Joel like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> As we were preparing for this, because I'm very respectful. I'm an old Maltese Italian girl. I'm old. We learn to respect people, right? But I'm also someone who's lived amongst so many color, cu cultures, and so I know there's this window, but I never assume it. And so we were joking about the time, but it's very important because in New England, it's a serious business to be early, just saying. And so there's this systemic place that we all live in. I think that we need to remember, too, that we have this place of ourself, and ourself doesn't just live individually with God. We live individually impacting also the systemic arena, or at least we could if we chose to. And we also have the systemic identity we have and our individual identity we have always connecting with God in our center and God all around us and God in our midst. 
if we're willing to slow down enough to experience that. I'll send it to you and maybe then you can look at it a little closer. But that, that was what God put before me for today. <laughs> I never drew that before. Just been evolving all of these last three weeks. And this understanding that in the culture, in the dominant culture that we live in, and in colonialist, white, patriarchal um, systems, individualism is key. Individualism, individualism is the root of many of the toxic cultural experiences so many people endure. And what God reminded me of today is to help everyone to slow down, to bear witness to your personal integrity as a child of God and to remember that. And to remember the fullness of your fleshly identity, your physical, your embodied your emotional and your thoughtful self and remember to bring that whole self to the spirit and then to let the spirit bring you your whole self to the place of community because it's coming out of this idea of individualism that is actually going to bring the kingdom further present in this world until we remember that we are connected and related to the earth and to one another and to the stars in the sky in a way that matters, the pain will continue. The pain, the anguish, the brokenness will continue. It's about being centered, self-aware, socio-culturally awake and open to the Spirit of God while walking with Jesus in wisdom. How's that for a sentence? Go read it again. It's about being centered, self-aware, socio-culturally awake, open to the Spirit of God and walking with Jesus in wisdom. And all of that has to be involved in order to get the last part, which is walking with wisdom with Jesus and walking in a way with each other. That works because we don't walk with Jesus individually. We walk with Jesus together. There's nothing about alone with Jesus that produces the kingdom in and of itself. It's walking with Jesus that we can recognize the wholeness embedded in everything that God is doing. That's what matters. And in the stories we'll briefly get a chance to look at today, we can continue with that idea. I asked you some big questions some big questions to look at in your small groups today. And hopefully it'll give you an opportunity to unpack some of what I'm bringing this morning. So the sermon title, Knowing Where We Come From, opens doors of possibility. Knowing where you come from, your historical history that brings you to the present moment, even the history of just yesterday, because yesterday is history brings you to this present moment today so that you can, with God, envision a future for tomorrow and seven generations later that is much more effective than the one that's happening now. So I want to turn to the scriptures we read, John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning there was the Word, the Word was in God's presence, and the Word was God. 
The word was present to God from the beginning. Through the word, all things came into being. And apart from the word, nothing came into being. Oh, sound familiar, the blue dot? Do you remember the blue dot now? Yeah, everything. We, all of us, no one left out, all of us. All things came into being, and apart from the word, nothing came into being that has come into being. And the word was life. And that life was humanity's light. Humanity's light. A light that shines in the darkness. A light that the darkness has never overtaken. Now go to the story of Nicodemus. Now go to the story of Nicodemus for a second. Nicodemus, a Pharisee, Nicodemus, who is chosen to come to know God through scriptures and through rules and regulations of a particular group of people and to uphold those rules and regulations and ways of being with God as if they are the particular and perhaps only right ways. Does that sound familiar? Have you ever, ever come across that in our world of Christianity? Maybe not, but I think I have, just a couple times, okay? And it's so important. This story is there for us to make sure that we are choosing the center, that we are choosing the identity of who made us, not the identity of a social construct that would bind us. There's a difference. A certain Pharisee named Nicodemus, a member of the Sanhedrin, came to Jesus at night. Rabbi, he said, we know you're a teacher come from God, for no one can perform the signs and wonders you do unless by the power of God. Jesus gave Nicodemus this answer. The truth of the matter is, unless one is born from above, one cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how can an adult be born a second time? I can't go back into my mother's womb to be born again. Jesus replied, The truth of the matter is no one can enter God's kingdom without being born of water and the spirit. Water is born of the, what is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. I've heard this preached so many ways and I've had utter confusion about this for a good portion of my life. But you know what? When you trace this back, what Jesus is saying through the Old Testament and through Hebrew understanding and the rabbis, the water is referring to the cleansing and purifying work of God's Spirit in the midst of that conversation right there as Jesus kind of goes over to Nicodemus and kind of wipes off the center a little bit and says, do you remember? Do you remember? I'm going to help you to remember that you're already born of God. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. The Spirit is reaching out to you, Nicodemus, to turn you back to who you are. And you know what? It took three years, but Nicodemus did it because it was Nicodemus who embalmed Jesus' body with more of the beautiful spices than probably had ever been known. He spent so much money. He spent everything that we could imagine to care for his Lord. In that moment, Jesus was reminding him of the presence of the Spirit with him. 
And then can you imagine in the courts that day when Nicodemus stood up for Jesus? So Nicodemus began to speak to the system. He came out of his individual identity and he began to speak to the system. And then when he was one of the two to pick up Jesus' body, and believe me, he's well known, he spoke to the system. He spoke to the system about the change that the Pharisees of the Sadducees need to make in his embodied, emotional, physical, thoughtful life. It was lovely to me. There's this other story. I love this other story too. I'm gonna to bring you to another one, can I? How are we doing? Nope, oh, I got a little time. I think I'm gonna make it, Joel. In John chapter two, we're just gonna move a little bit through the first four chapters of John. John chapter two, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was at the wedding that Cana, in Cana in Galilee that Jesus attended, and this is the story of what happened. There was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. Jesus and his disciples had likewise been invited to the celebration. At a certain point, the wine ran out, and Jesus' mother told him, they have no wine. Jesus replied, mother, what does that have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. She instructed those waiting on tables, do whatever he tells you. What does that have to do with you, Jesus? Let me tell you what it has to do with you, Jesus. At this wedding, that's a very wealthy wedding that's being held by people with money, there are people who are poor, who are the servants. And if the wine runs out, my son, guess who's going to suffer? Guess who's going to bear the brunt of the reality that at this wedding that cost so much money that was supposed to uplift someone's social status, the wine ran out. Who do you think's going to carry the blame? You can do something, Jesus. You can do something here. Maybe that was what was in Mary's mind. I don't know. But she knows something about water being life because she gave birth. She knows something about water being life because she's been touched by the Spirit, just like Nicodemus. She knows something about water being life because she knows the history of Moses. And she knows Jesus. And she's been carrying things in her heart since before he was born. Mary knew who she was. Mary lived sensing the world around her with her emotional, her physical, her thoughtful and embodied self. And Mary was determined to move into the socio-systemic culture and reduce suffering. And if it meant calling Jesus out in his gifting and asking him to do something, well, guess what? Let's just open the reality up here, son, because these people are going to suffer in ways that are painful and tragic. Because Mary knew what it was like to be the slave. Do you remember? Do you remember her song? My soul does magnify the Lord because the Lord has been faithful and does good things for the poor. That's what she sings. That's what she sings. My God is faithful to those without power, 
to those in poverty. So Jesus, I know who you are, and I know you're going to be faithful in this moment, and I know water might be a way to do it. I don't know, but it's possible, isn't it? It's possible. Let's look at another story, because stories are really fun, aren't they? I tell you, there's another story in here, the woman at the well. The story of the woman at the well is in John chapter 4. When Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was attracting and baptizing more disciples than John, though it was really... Sorry. Though it was really not Jesus baptizing but his disciples, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. This meant that he had time to pass through Samaria. Excuse me, this meant that he had to pass through Samaria. He stopped at Sychar, a town in Samaria, near the tract of land Jacob had given to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. Jesus, weary from the journey, came and sat by the well. It was around noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. The disciples had gone off to the town to buy provisions. The Samaritan woman replied, You are a Jew. How can you ask me, a Samaritan, for a drink? Since Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans. Now, just for brevity's sake, here's a Samaritan woman. Jesus shouldn't be talking to her at all. Number one, because she's a woman. Number two, because she's Samaritan. What is she doing at the well at noon? Well, we all know that she's been ostracized by her community. Not necessarily because of who she is, but because of the way of the socio-systemic cultural practices that marginalize women, reduce women's opportunity to survive and thrive. And so she's found a way to survive and thrive. And they've said, it's not the way we want you to, so get out and stay out of our way and keep silent and shunned her. I have a lot of respect for this woman, I'm just going to tell you. She did not choose to forget that she had life because God gave it to her and she would fight for it. Whether it was conventional, conventional or not, she wasn't letting it be taken away. And Jesus befriended her. And then in their friendship and their conversation that ensued, she was affirmed. And so much so, she could go back to the community and say, you got to come. Regardless of what you've done to me, you got to come. Regardless of how much pain you have caused me and how isolated you have made me, you got to come. And she gave a gift. Talk about nonviolent action. Hello? And she brought the community to Jesus. And then Jesus stayed with the community. Yeah, in a place where Jews don't stay for two days. How about that? How about that? These stories matter because they tell us how to get out of our individual selves and into the world that we live in for transformation in nonviolent ways. Nonviolent ways, but honest ways. And I want to say in the last two minutes that I have, we need to understand that that's a call. We need to understand that water is life, not just then, but now. We need to understand that water is life, and we need to intervene when water is used for something other than life, like telling the appropriate history around slavery. 
Because water was not used for life in that. Water is not used for life today when ships are concealing women and children for slavery and trafficking today. Water is not used for life. Water is not protected for life when corporations are given full permission to destroy water and destroy us in its doing. We are not valuing water as life when we continue to buy plastic bottles and throw them away full of water. We are not. Choose this day the identity with which you will live your life. That is what Jesus says to us. Choose this day to call this holiday Indigenous People's Day because that is reality. Because that is today. And choose to wear red in honor of all the indigenous missing and murdered women today and hang a dress, a red dress somewhere today, letting people know that you know and that it matters and we will not tolerate it anymore. There's a woman today in Nome, who's Nome, Alaska, who's missing. They're looking for her today. It's Florence Okielek. She's been missing for 43 days. Say her name because her name matters. Black lives do matter. Will you go ahead and go ask Black Lives Matters leaders what they would need from you today? Just what do you need from me today? Not, hey, let's do, what do you need from me today? And go and stand and be in the activism that's going on for Black Lives Matter in a way that is able to correct the news when the news says they're violent because they're not. And then you can be a witness to the fake news and you can say, I was there and let me tell you, this is what I saw, this is what I heard, this is what my embodied experience in the midst of the socio-systemic struggle was. And I refute fake news. We have so many options and when you know your identity, you know the doors that God will open for you to speak into. Seniors and healthcare and the anguish of what's happening there. Anguish, utter anguish to lose our elders because of carelessness. Know your identity and in knowing your identity with God and knowing your social, sociocultural identity, you can interact with the people God has already placed you in the midst of for justice. What bank are you using and how does that bank use the funds they make off of your money? In this world today, check your bank. Find out. Move your money if it's good for the kingdom coming. Don't play anymore. Don't play anymore. We don't have time. We cannot play anymore. We need to look at every aspect of our own individual life and where it intersects with the socio-cultural world around us that is not anti-racist, that is horribly patriarchal, that is so many things that are not of God. 
And we need to be sure that in every interaction that we have with that middle circle where the spirit resides, we trust the spirit to unfold a pathway through us towards justice. Let's pray. Oh God, oh God, let your love grab hold of each of us. (coughs) And let your spirit grab hold of each of us. And show us all the places you would have us interact for your justice unfolding, including in the healthcare crisis, including in the provision for people who are hungry, not just to give food, but to change the systems that allow them to be hungry. In this time of COVID, when some some people's lives have shrunk more than most of us can even imagine, please, oh God, help us to know Help us to know. Help us to know you more in all things. We love you. We praise you. We lift your holy name, Jesus, and we thank you. You are the word which is humanity's light in a very dark time. Thank you.